Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, hosting the show tonight, and with me are Sue Timberlake. Hey there. And our special guest uh, for the first half of the show, Mr. Eric Nakajima. Hi. Uh, Eric, you're running to be uh, the Democratic nominee uh, for the 3rd Hampshire uh seat in the Massachusetts State House. So uh, we've got uh, some questions to and, and discussion with you to have, but I just want to knock through a couple of quick things. Just one sec here. Great. So, um, <clears throat> so uh, we'd love to hear from our listeners uh, during the show or after, uh, and you can get in touch with us via email, civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org, on Twitter at civilpoliticsfm, facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio is our community. And finally, we do have a website, which is civilpoliticsradio.com, and that has links to previous episodes of the show uh, that you can download, uh, uh, all kinds of uh, links to other things we talk about, uh, and good stuff like that. So, uh, Eric, hi. Thank you for joining <laughs> us here on Civil Politics. So, uh, the 3rd Hampshire District, that's Amherst, Pelham, and half of Granby? Half of Granby, a precinct one, which if people know Granby, it's bisected by Route 202, and it's a part of Granby that's on the side of Route 202 that's closest to uh, Amherst and the Notch. Oh, right, so like that's the north side? I think it would be, yeah. yeah. Okay. North Northwest side. Right, okay. Yeah, man, it's embarrassing because I used to drive along that road all the time going back and forth to Andover to see my parents, so yeah. Um, okay, so uh, uh, you uh, are running against uh, another person who will be here in the second half of the show uh, because Ellen Story held, held the seat and she's, re- she's retired, right? She, well, she retired back in 2016 oh. and uh, a, a candidate named Solomon Goldstein-Rose uh, ran oh, in 2016. Candidate, yeah, he's, like, he's 24 years old and in um, the beginning of this year, he announced he was going to quit the Democratic Party uh, oh, that's interesting. It is. It is actually. You'll be very interested. unusual in Massachusetts. Very interested, in the, and actually, you'll be very interested in this because he didn't actually drop out uh, to become like a Bernie Sanders independent socialist um, to the left. Because if he had done that, he probably would have won like ninety nine percent of the vote in the yeah. district. Um, he actually moved toward the center or right, and he said that he wanted to work and collaborate more with Republicans. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Good news for me. Yeah. Uh, well, except, <laughs> except for, the, for he, except for then he, he dropped. He dropped out, and yeah, so now the race is down to the Democratic primary. On uh, September 4th. Oh, okay. So there isn't actually a candidate on the Republican side right now? There isn't, and there won't be in November. So yeah. the September 4th is the big day. I'm embarrassed okay. to say there's a lot of seats like that. that yeah, I'm well, the, we can talk about that more another time. Yeah, another, wanna, not on I his I want to give Eric a few minutes to, to, <laughs> to, to, to well, to... Tell us, tell us cool things about himself. So um, you've worked in the past uh, extensively in state government. You worked for Governor Michael Dukakis doing, uh, what, uh, working on affordable housing, I think? No, I was, I was in his Office of Educational Affairs, but oh, this is back sorry. when I was like 23 years old. Oh, okay. and, uh, and I mean, think about it. He left his, the governorship in January 1991. So I was, I, was, I was probably like Solomon's age now back then. And uh, I worked in his Office of Educational Affairs, but basically what that meant was other than doing memos and uh, constituent service, like helping people with problems they had might with like student loans and stuff, um, I largely advanced events. If you remember the economy back then, it was um, it was terrible. It was it, falling through the floor. Yeah. And uh, oh, I remember out of the state in 88 was what we Republicans said for yeah. Dukakis. 
Sorry, he ran for president. No, I remember. But then he came back because he'd been busy running for president, and things got a little messy well, and I had mean, to get straightened I, out. I mean, that's something. that's uh, maybe it's, that's it's a Republican true, view. Sorry. I, 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 well, no, I mean, I, I just think that the the collapse of savings and loans and the overdevelopment of real estate yeah. weren't exactly on the governor, but. But I mean, but I mean, he good he, point. Yeah. But what I was going to say is that what we did is countercyclical investments, like investing in schools and libraries and other infrastructure. And so I ran around the state. Then um, after that, um, I went. I I actually finished my bachelor's degree because I didn't have it at the time being, and ah, went on went on to grad school uh, at the University of California Berkeley and studied city and regional planning. So oh, by okay. training, what I am is actually a planning and economic development specialist. I've done work in affordable housing. This is where you're getting the affordable housing part. Yeah. Affordable housing, community development, um, you know, retail, and one of the focus areas that I got into over the years was trying to how to understand um, either communities or regions of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and then other parts of the country that are struggling to adjust to the decline of manufacturing, the decline of farms, and and just the income inequality and just the challenges people have to live. And um, back in 2007, back after I was already living and working in the Pioneer Valley at, at UMass at the Donahue Institute, yeah. um, I'd done a couple projects on affordable housing, the impact of municipal uh, housing on local communities. Uh, and uh, got picked up by the Patrick administration. They hired right. me to to be sort of an in-house well, policy expert. Governor yeah. Patrick. And you yeah. worked for him for both terms. I did, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was almost eight years uh, and, and really worked on a, a ton of different stuff from helping communities like Holyoke and Springfield uh, plan and do investments to um, revitalize themselves. So the work in Holyoke on the high-performance computing center, uh, things like the redevelopment of Lyman Terrace, the train stop there, the sort of the integrated strategy yeah. down there for, for it. And then one of the most rewarding things that I got a chance to work on was uh, helping to connect our workforce boards that help people who are long-term unemployed connect with businesses, community colleges, and create a sort of an integrated strategy for someone to develop the training to, to get into growing jobs in our area. And particularly, you may not know this, but uh, manufacturing has actually been a growth industry in the Pioneer Valley over the last few years. Well, that's interesting. Back. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 So it's, it was, but it was really rewarding because a lot of the folks who got jobs that we were able to help um, were either underemployed or oftentimes they were women and people yeah. of color who were underrepresented in manufacturing. Uh, and so it was just, it was a really neat thing to do and you could really see the difference and impact you could make. Well, Amer lives. American workers are more productive, Sue. That's, that's one reason to send people, send jobs here. <laughs> but, um, uh, so you, uh, worked on uh, those issues as you talked about uh, uh, under uh, Governor Patrick, mm -hmm. and so uh, uh, one of the things we were talking about before the show uh, that uh, you wanted—I think you had some interesting things to say about—are the differences between like uh, uh, Amherst, uh, Pelham, and Granby, and the issues they face. Because Pelham and Granby are both significantly smaller than Amherst, and Amherst, of course, is—I mean, I used to live in Amherst. Like mm -hmm. parts of Amherst are super wealthy and. Just you know, like like you know, the inner sanctum of, of of starched Yankee affluence, you know. So I felt right at home, of course. Uh, but also, there are a lot of people who are uh, struggling to get by and are looking for affordable housing in Amherst. It's a, it's really a surprisingly economically diverse community. 
or at least it used to be. Maybe it it is, and actually, I think it's economically stratified is what it is as much as anything else. Stratified. Ah, well, that, all right. That well, may no, be a better but, but, way. So what, well, so, I'm not trying to be pretentious. No, 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 no. It's just that what, I, I hope you are trying to be pretentious. <laughs> That's my job. But, um, but just, so uh, talk about your the, how this previous experience you've had, like how that shapes what you see as the big issues in those communities that you want to represent. Yeah, absolutely. So, Please. I mean, so for Pelham, uh, and I actually I lived in Pelham, I'm proud to say, when in third and fourth grade, huh. um, and had the uh, wonderful Jane Miller as my fourth grade teacher, who's a, a big supporter in retirement. <laughs> so it's uh, no, but it's, it's actually you know the truth is when, you, awesome. when you, the truth is when it is awesome, yeah. and the truth is when you run for office, one of the most fun things you get a chance to do when you get out and knock doors and meet people in different events is you you reconnect with people who you've known through many different phases of your life, and yeah. so there are actually a bunch of folks in Pelham who I've met who are sometimes they're old classmates of mine who yeah. it turns out are living back in the area. Other times it's their parents or just people who I knew in different walks of life. You know, like my... Um, Is anybody sort of my, like, Eric, I want my Transformer back. <laughs> I, uh, I luckily didn't steal other toys. I, did not, I was not... <laughs> Not that kind of kid. That's the headline for the webpage. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. Did not steal toys. No, no, played well with others. Um, but the, actually, it's funny actually because yeah. my, my one of my high school football coaches, a guy named Paul Wiley, who's an old principal at Crocker Farm, uh -huh. um, is he and his wife uh, Pat Romney are supporting me, uh -huh. and they wrote a letter to the editor. And one of the, and I I didn't see the letter before it was published. And what he wrote in it was he talked about how coachable I was uh -huh. and how I was like you know I was like a nice kid who was like smart and, yeah. and you know, displayed good sportsmanship, which I guess are good qualities good if you're going to go into the legislature yeah. but it was just it was it was a funny thing but but getting back to it though so i mean yeah. pelham pelham is um obviously a small rural community doesn't have much business base at all in terms of taxes and which must make the educational it's spending their rate yeah exactly as expenses go up as state um aid to public schools stagnates uh it's really a challenge for that community they also have declining enrollment in their schools so they've done a lot of uh bringing school choice kids in so they, they've been trying to figure out what to do around their school finances they've been trying to figure out um what's viable one thing they're talking about doing is maybe even merging with amherst at the elementary level mm -hmm. to hope to maybe reduce some of their costs and share services with amherst um but they're also talking about doing this kind of if you want i don't know if you've been to pella much but such as it is a downtown a, a downtown sort of redevelopment strategy I don't know what that's going to look been, like. I haven't spent a lot of time in Pelham because I haven't lived uh, on that side of the river since, oh, about 15 years ago. So, oh, okay. yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I don't it know has, what's going it has, on in it, has, right it hasn't changed much, but they have a lovely library and a really lovely community center. So, yeah. th so, they've got to figure out how to do that. And really, for them, the issue of getting more state in and support to schools is is front and center. The whole, like, when they, mm -hmm. when they had, I don't forget what it was, four or five kids uh, who were misidentified as as being in a charter school uh meaning they, they were not initially identified as being a charter school then they were discovered to have been in the charter school and uh it, it blew a hole in the side of their budget last year they lost they lost like a hundred thousand dollars in revenue because, overnight because of five kids were mis yeah. misfiled basically. that's right who were yeah. misfiled and they hadn't planned for it it was a real problem a real crisis for them so we really need to do something yeah. about how we fund charter schools we need to really i think i think we need to take them out of um local uh, school district funding so that they're funded by a state line item and it's not coming out of not putting as much pressure as on local property taxes as well as yeah. whacking people's budgets that's an interesting an issue in amherst as well granby interestingly enough and this is, you may not know this because i certainly didn't know this before nope. maybe around a half a year ago when i was talking to people um, they don't have any town sewer 
and town water in almost the entirety of Grand Bay. It's almost it's all on septic. It's all in well water, which means even though they have this huge highway going through it, that could be a basis <gasps> business for business they, development. Yeah, they have trouble with business the, development. The businesses aren't going to move in, right? And so for them, they're all they're doing an economic development strategy. And one, you talked a moment ago, my background. Yeah. Um, Given my background in economic development, in fact, for eight years, I was in the agency that does planning and economic development and infrastructure. Uh, I am really looking forward to working with the people of Granby as they're de- it's up to them to develop their plan, right? They'll Obviously, be guided yeah. by their own decisions. But I want to make sure I can bring all the resources to bear, both in terms of technical assistance, grants, and other support to them while they're working on it. Because ultimately, that's their best shot at trying to rebalance their fiscal picture, right? Yeah, and that makes then, sense. And then in Amherst, you know, the town I grew up in, yes, it was large and growing, but it was, A, not as diverse um, as somebody who is a racial minority and actually a minority within a minority because I'm uh, half half white or what do you want to call it, European, and half Asian American. And so, you know, even, even – I mean, there's lots more common today, but when I was growing up, uh, it was tough enough – to be culturally isolated or racially and ethically isolated, mm-hmm. and then to not fully belong, even within that racial subset, yeah. um, was I mean when I when we moved from Jersey up to Amherst back in 1974, uh, and I was a little kid, uh-huh. I, you know I look I love Amherst and people are wonderful, but there are many times I felt uh, incredibly alone. And how I felt about those things. The most fascinating thing to me now about Amherst is it has a majority minority elementary school district. Yeah. It's actually a very racially diverse community. Most of that happened in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. Um, after, obviously, I was no longer a kid. And I was focusing on other stuff. And the other thing that happened, unfortunately, but is— I can, I can imagine how being surrounded by a bunch of Yankees with names like Robinson or Dow and it's like Nakajima. Yeah. Look, I love I love Amherst. No, but I mean, and, and, it's, and the, tr- and the truth just, is, for a yeah. lot of people, when you're when you're dealing with those kinds of issues, uh, meaning in other words, kind of social or cultural isolation, yeah. the reality is people are well intended, and they don't they don't. I, mean, I guess the term these days is popular use is white privilege, yeah. um, but they they don't necessarily know the blinders they have on sure. when they're talking to and dealing with stuff. It's one of the reasons why actually I, I was thinking about this the other day. I think I might actually be. The first person of color, elect, if I get elected, yeah. um, to hold a state office in Hampshire County history. So, like, not just, not just, not just. Really? Uh, I can't think of anyone. So, you got Bill Nagel, you've got Peter Cokett, you've I, got here's where John I show Sonic, my age. I don't know the history. Ed, so, Ed Brooke. He, no, but he's a senator. He was, <laughs> yeah, a, he's United, a he was a United States senator. Yeah, but uh, he, he wasn't a state yeah. rep locally. He wasn't I, I think a state Eric, Eric means locally. elected to a, to a state office oh, state from, office. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. from this yeah, county. Yeah, from this yeah, area. Yeah. No, no, oh, yeah, no. Good, goodness knows. Hamden County's got it. I mean, million Deval Patrick, elected. you know, you no, want to talk about but, person of color elected to state but no, office. But I think, first, but I think first, in, our, in our community, I think I think I might be. And that speaks— That wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Yeah, well, and actually, I mean, it shocks me, but I, I, I bet you're right. Actually, yeah. and, and, but you try to th- go through the different. You no, know, you, you've only lived out here in the in the valley for a few years, Sue. Like I've been out here since '93. You know, I was born here, right? Yeah, yeah. but I just you're born here. Yeah, my parents were at UMass. Oh, cool. I never lived here before very recently. It's, I'm just teasing him because oh. I'm a I'm a carpet bagger. You know, yeah, so. well, <laughs> I, I'm an older carpet bagger, a longer time. You know, how, just, you know how many years people thought I was a carpet bagger? Not carpet bagger, but you know, <laughs> but, it, but it's sort of an, an, an interloper. Yeah. Oh, where um, are you from? from oh yeah. no, no, yeah. you're going back on the racial thing. Yeah. I've been asked that all my life. One yeah. of the most irritating questions I've ever been asked is, you know, wh- when how did you lose your accent? And, Ugh. you know, when did you get here originally? <laughs> uh, all that kind of stuff. And it's, yeah. you know, it, yeah. 
that, there's nothing tracks. actually more isolating and challenging about that. Um, that. No Spe- one ever asked me those questions. I don't speaking, know why. Speaking as apparently the only uh, born and raised person here. <laughs> All right, John. Um, yeah, yeah, there you go. What? Yeah. <laughs> From South Hadley. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Northampton um, lives in South Hadley. Oh, oh, okay. My bad. Yeah, um, I'm a I'm a Cooley Dixon baby, hmm? and I survived. So, <laughs> uh, the the fact that so you would be I. the first person of color mm-hmm. to hold a seat in the in the Amherst area is no surprise at all to me. Um, it is a very it it has been a very white um, area, uh, even though that the um, the uh, person of color population, let's say the minority population, has has been steadily growing for the past very long time. But still, yeah. uh, it is it is still a very white privileged um, area. Well, you mentioned earlier that that uh, it's certainly not incorrect to describe Amherst as economically stratified. Well, that's actually what so, I was going to start talking yeah. about. Actually, is that is that um, good segue by me then? Go ahead. No, no, it was a great segue. <laughs> um, when I was a kid, I mean, this is why I got into the racial side of it, because that's always kind of overlays a lot of things. But you, you when can I never I, ignore that in America. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But I mean, when I was a kid, uh, Amherst had a broader middle in it of middle class folks, including mm-hmm. many different backgrounds, including people, you know, plumbers make a good living. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had plumbers and mechanics and others, you know, who in, sure. in town sure. who in they raised kids and, you know, had families and mm-hmm. there were school teachers and all that kind of stuff. What's happened over the last um, 25 years, mm-hmm. maybe 30 years, is the middle class has become increasingly squeezed in Amherst. Uh, mm-hmm. People who work for li- work for a living, or you know, school teachers, firefighters. Uh, it, that's not unusual in Massachusetts. We know that a lot of communities in eastern Massachusetts it's that's really hollowed out the middle class. Tremendously yeah. true of, uh, but it, but it's really challenging. And then what you have is you have some people who are doing you know reasonably well or even very well, and then you do have people who've moved into the into the town or who continue to live in the town who are very low income. Yeah. And and the reason I bring that up and also the reason I bring it up in relative to res- representation is it the Amherst has not fully evolved into who it's going to be in terms yeah. of its governance in terms of its identity. Well, that's right, you just and, changed your charter too. That's right. Yeah. And and so one of the most important things that that I've especially in this campaign also cuz you know with Trump and all just the insanity nationally we're dealing with and in our region there are many people who are undocumented or even documented yeah. uh, immigrants who feel increasingly unwelcome is I've spent a lot of time on that issue over the last few months um, last year and, and it uh, the more you get into it the more you start really digging into the roots of how people's lived experiences, their shared social and cultural experiences. Yep. And so it's really resonated with me that, that we all need to have uh, really organic one-on-one and then community conversations about how we talk about ourselves, how we represent and bring in everyone to the conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think also being on school committee, I'm the chair of the regional school committee and on the Amherst school committee in Amherst Pelham. Oh. And, uh, you know, you, there's nothing more personal to people than how their oh, children yeah. are being raised. Well, and so you, you know, <laughs> you, you you certainly get in a lot into that. Well, and you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is one of the things about economic development and affordable housing, one of the like the the number one factor that determines like housing prices in an area is w- the quality of the schools. People move to areas to get their kids in good schools, whether they can necessarily afford it or not. 
Yeah, it actually, and yes, and actually, I would argue that for people who've talked in our town sometimes, unfortunately, disparagingly about folks who've moved in, particularly lower income or people who are people of color, um, to me, it's the American dream. The American it's dream, aspirational. Yeah. yeah, the American dream is not necessarily that you come to America and you yourself become a millionaire or something like that or whatever it is, upper middle class. The American dream is that you come here and you stake your way you make you make your way in the world you set foundations and then you're able to organize your family in a way and provide for family in a way in which the next generation is able to succeed and do even better i mean that's that's actually the american dream so when we have people in our community who are and the question is can we do that and we do we do it well and do we give people good opportunities but uh to me, when I look around our community and see families that have moved in and are renting yep. and are going to our schools, what I see is the face of America. It's I, who we are. I, thanks. I agree. I, I absolutely. Um, so do I. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think Sue and I, I can't remember exactly because we've talked about ancestry on the show at various points, but like I have ancestors going back to the early 17th century on this continent, you know, like lots of them, like not the Mayflower, but soon thereafter. So like in some Mine ways, I'm on like, the Mayflower. Right. Exactly. You know, it's funny, by the way. Um, <laughs> but I, everybody's I, family goes all the way. Mine back. were not. That's, that's right. right. Exactly. No, everybody's family goes all the way back. to Africa. <laughs> well, and I have the, the tale of two cities thing is my dad came over in at the beginning of the 1950s, uh-huh. actually before the um, peace treaty was signed with Japan. He came oh, wow. over. Men During and I the met, occupation. Met, such as it is, yeah. Uh, Mennonite, well, Mennonite missionaries yeah. um, uh, brought my dad over. He went to college, a place called Goshen College out in Indiana. Uh-huh. And uh, he came here because Japan was utterly devastated. Mm-hmm. There was still a lot of hunger. Um, yeah. It was not clear when the country was going to rebuild itself. Mm. And he he wanted to continue to develop his life. And so he wanted to come to America to do that. Uh, so he, so literally my dad, other than my brother and sister and I, he's the only Nakajima in America. Every other member of my family, the Timuras and Nakajimas, are in Japan somewhere. Wow. Uh, on my mom's side of the family, on the other hand, we go back to the 17th century ourselves. Exactly. Not the Mayflower, but a couple of boats after sure. that. Yeah. Uh, and we have, you know, German immigrants. I mean, we, I have... I have two great, great, great grandfathers who fought in the Ohio Volunteer Infantry nice. during the Civil War under uh, Sherman and Grant. Nice. Oh, wow. uh, and uh, and I actually, I, a couple of years ago, I had a chance to go down to Georgia. I was at a con- there for a conference, and I visited a battlefield and was able to walk in the actual places mm-hmm. where their platoons nice. were. Yeah. And it was just something re- deeply resonant. So it's funny. It's funny yeah. to me that I honestly genuinely both feel in my bones the both. immigrant experience because the son yep. of an immigrant and also feel the you know that deep connection to the, the, things like the, the civil the war and uh, yeah but like settling of america so like my father did a lot of research into my family and looking back there were times when my ancestors were you know the struggling poor people who were trying desperately to get by or whatever. I'm and the struggling poor pe- person in my family. So. Right. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, my dad was an investment banker, so I'm I'm, I'm yeah. doing better. But just like education was the key. It like is the key. all looking back in my family history. That's how you launch. Yeah, that's how kids. you launch. You like, know, and that's that's really even before I, we were America. I completely yeah. agree with you. And actually, Massachusetts, you know, founded public education, and it's it's the re- they did public schools first refined Horace Mann. Uh-huh. That's actually the reason why I emphasize education so much. But public higher education as well as, well as um, K through twelve is because it really is foundational mm-hmm. to all the opportunity we're going to have, and it's also obviously foundational in our community. It's, it deeply expresses our values, yeah, and who we are. I agree. <clears throat> so, um, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I can't believe we're almost. Although I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll, t- I'll, yeah. tell you I'll tell you a story though about. But yeah. speaking about the about the uh, 
uh, the, the Great Depression and and people struggling. Please, my mother has shown me a distorted, warped nickel that um, our family had kept for the last whatever it would be 85, 80, 85 yeah. years. Uh, it was our family on the farm. We grew our own food out in Ohio. We had a 140-acre farm in southern Ohio that I spent all my time as a boy. Absolutely gorgeous place and just really multiple generations of my family yeah. had been there. Where in Ohio? Uh, a place called Otway, Ohio, Brush Creek Township, which is down by the Ohio River in the center of Ohio. Okay. Sure. And, uh, you know, gorgeous place, beautiful place. But uh, we, so we, we weren't starving because we owned the house outright. Sure. And we um, grew our own food. But in terms of paying your taxes and anything else you had to do, yeah. We were, we were, our family Cash was down to its or, last nickel, yeah. and apparently, uh, my my great grandfather was so angry that he threw the the nickel in a rage into uh, a stove or something like that, and my great grandmother fished it out, <laughs> held onto it, and looked at him and said, "We're going to hold on to this nickel. Our family <laughs> is going to make it." We're going to be okay, and we're going to push through, and we're going to persevere. What a great story! And uh, and and our family did, but also uh, we held on to that. They held on to the nickel to this day. My mom still has it as as a statement about how our family sticks together and just keeps to our values and keeps to what we believe in. And that's a fantastic story. That's so great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Post a picture of that. I should. Actually, I should actually find it. ask my mom to find the nickel. It's, it's around the house somewhere. <laughs> so uh, 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 this is civil politics here on Valley Free Radio. We've been talking with Eric Nakajima, who's a, uh, a candidate to be the Democratic nominee for the third uh, Hampshire district uh, uh, in the state house uh, here in Massachusetts. Um, and uh, we are going to uh, take a break in a moment now, and then we're going to come back with your challenger, the other person <laughs> up. Uh, neither of you is the incumbent. So. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And bo- you're both you're on the ballot. It's not you're a write-in. No, no. no you know, by, by the way, the number of people that get confused <gasps> about that, oh. we're on the ballot. You can just find our names right there. Right. Yeah, it's huge this year. It's very confusing to people which race right. and where. And there's no write-in spot on some of the ballots too yeah. for, yeah. for well, the rural towns. Yeah, won't yeah. won't be an issue in this case. So, yes. and uh, we've put up links. John has put up links to your campaign websites and Twitter and things yeah. like that, so people can find out more about you. Uh, if hopefully we've whetted their appetite. Yeah, and thanks for the invitation, by the way. This is a wonderful conversation. Well, I really that was it. that was Sue's hard work. So kudos <laughs> to Sue Thank for you, making Sue. us a better show. We're all volunteer all the time. Yeah, Valley Free Radio. Send us your donations. There Absolutely. You go. <laughs> there you go. So we really appreciate we you coming on, uh, and uh, thank you for your uh, for your candor. Yeah, you're very welcome. <laughs> right. So, uh, so we should go to break now, right? We're gonna yeah, do a couple. Of okay. PSAs well, I'll just check in with the boss. All right. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna play a few PSAs, promos, and IDs, and get ready for uh, our second candidate of the evening to come in and take up the second half of the show. But Eric Nakajima, candidate for the uh, third Hampshire uh, uh, district in the Massachusetts State House. Thank you for joining us. Uh, You're very welcome. Good Votes luck. Uh, I don't have a vote, but good luck regardless. <laughs> yeah. Vote for September fourth, right? Is September fourth, Tuesday, September fourth. It's, it's uh, the day after the long weekend, so don't. Day forget. after Labor Day. That's yeah, right. yeah. So it's. Uh, Remember to check your voter registration, just in case. So you don't end up with a provisional ballot. Yes. Yeah, it's like a week and a half from now. So, yep. Right, thanks very much. So this is Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a few minutes. It's important to make sure your family has a plan in case of an emergency. We talked to this family to see if each of them knew where to meet if they were not together when something happened. If a natural disaster happened and we were outside the home, we would all meet at the 
apart. That's our meeting point. I meet with our neighbor's house because she is my mom's good friend. We all have a meeting spot, which is a bus stop. Is your plan any better? To learn more about making an emergency plan for your family, go to www.mass.gov slash MEMA. Brought to you by the Ready Massachusetts U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. Looking for an international experience but unable to travel? Consider hosting an adult international student studying English. Maybe from the Congo, Iran, Tibet, Saudi Arabia, Spain, Uganda, Tunisia, India, or Iraq. We need friendly hosts interested in a true cross-cultural interchange, fluent in English, and living within a 15-minute walk or convenient bus ride to downtown Northampton. Join ILI's nonprofit effort to create language and cultural immersion experiences for our students. A stipend offsets costs. For more details, go to www.ili.edu or email amy at ili.edu. We're the International Language Institute of Massachusetts in downtown Northampton. Classical music on Valley Free Radio. Tune in to Andy Musique Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. for an hour of beautiful music to start your day. Hosted by Lucy and Larry. Hey, this is Blue Streak. I'm the host of the show with BS, the newest addition to the WXOJ lineup. You can hear us Mondays at 11 p.m. For the best overnight radio you'll ever hear on a, on a Monday night, we'll talk about everything that's relevant to us. Music, movies, TV, games, and whatever else happens to spill out of the piñata that is my head. Monday nights, 11 p.m. here on XOJ. For all the music and news that nerds can use, it's the show with BS on WXOJ. Forbes Library offers free access to computers, and now they are equipped with tools to make them easier to use if you are blind or have low vision. When you come into Forbes Library, you will find computers with JAWS screen reading and magnification software installed. Trained library staff are available to get you started. These services were brought to you with federal funds provided by the Institute of Museum and Library Services and administered by the Massachusetts Board of Library Commissioners. Call 413-587-1012 to find out more. Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, DJ Vinyl Scratch, on the warm heart of Africa. From Cape Town to the Congo, Marrakesh to Mogadishu, and to the New World and beyond, we explore the best in pop music from Africa and the Afro diaspora all across the globe. Once again, that's 7 to 9 p.m. every Wednesday, only on Valley Free Radio. Hi, I'm Charlie. I fight fires and I save lives. My name's Renee. I'm a cardiologist. I save lives. My name's Anthony. I'm an EMT. I save lives. You don't have to be a professional to save a life. Firefighters, doctors, and others save lives. You can, too. Don't wait. To learn more about the warning signs and how you can help prevent suicide, visit save.org. In a crisis, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. Nerd Night NoHo is proud to support Valley Free Radio, where a monthly speaker series featuring experts from the community talking about art, culture, and science. You can find us at noho.nerdnight.com. Anthony, Mom said to take out the trash. 
But it's freezing outside. I know, but if we keep putting out lots of trash, it will warm up. Huh? What are you talking about? Global warming. Our trash gets burned and makes greenhouse gases. I kind of wish it went to the landfill instead. Methane is so much more effective than carbon dioxide. But why do you want to make global warming worse? I want to live on the beach. But the beach is only a few blocks away. Right, and if sea level comes up enough, we'll be beachfront. Melt those icebergs. Hey, I put all those papers, bottles, and cans in the recycling bin. Why do you put them into the rubbish? I read on the South Shore Recycling Cooperative's website, ssrc.info, that it takes a lot more fuel to make paper, bottles and cans from, ahem, virgin materials than from recycled stuff. Burn more fuel, more greenhouse gas. Before we know it, those obnoxious Sullivans across the street will be underwater, and I'll be having beach parties in the front yard. You're nuts. The Forbes Library staff would like to remind you of the incredible resource that you have in your local public library. We have tens of thousands of books for you to check out, music CDs, movies, newspapers from around the region, the state, and the country. We have a wide variety of magazines and free computer and internet access every day. We also have our incredible reference services there to help you answer particularly vexing problems. All of this is free, locally available at 20 West Street in Northampton. So come by and check us out in person or at www.forbeslibrary.org or call 587-1011 for more information. You work hard for your wages, so you need to know most workers should receive at least the federal minimum wage and hopefully more. Also, most workers should receive overtime if they work more than 40 hours in seven days. These are the laws for everyone, documented or not. Have questions about your wages? Call the U.S. Department of Labor Wage and Hour Division. It's free and confidential. Call 1-866-487-9243. That's 1-866-4-US-WAGE. We can help. A message from the U.S. Department of Labor. Are you interested in connecting with the international community in the Pioneer Valley? Then volunteer to help your immigrant neighbors improve their English and integrate better into their surroundings. Become a volunteer tutor. Take a free 15-hour training taught by the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. For more details on an application, go to ili.edu or contact Amy at ili.edu. Students come from Africa, Asia, Europe, Latin America, and the Middle East. So volunteer to tutor and expand your world. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. <clears throat> and uh, this is uh, uh, our show where we're talking with the two candidates for the Democratic nominee, to, for the Democratic nomination uh, uh, for the third Hampshire district in the Massachusetts State House. Uh, and since the Republican uh, candidate dropped out, uh, I guess this is kind of going to be the, the whole shooting match here. Pretty so much. much for my party. <laughs> well, again, we can talk about this next week. There's some, some races that we should talk about that aren't being opposed. But anyway, um, so uh, with us now is Mindy Dom. Hello. Is the B hard? Domba? It can be any way you want, but usually the B is silent okay. and the O is an A. Ah, dom. Dom. Like dumb, only with an O. Um, okay. That's fine. I, you know. <laughs> we didn't want to make a mistake. I didn't have a, a chance to ask you because I 
<laughs> not smart enough to think before the show. Um, so, um, Mindy, uh, uh, one of the things I think that often gets lost when people talk about uh, political elections and candidates and so forth is that elections are, among other things, job interviews. Like, we're trying to get somebody, hire somebody to do a job for us. So... Um, can you tell me, uh, tell the listeners a bit about your previous work experience that you think is going to be most relevant and helpful as you represent, well, try to represent the rep- the citizens of Amherst, uh, uh, Pelham, and the f- northwest part of Grandy? Precinct 1 in Precinct Grandy. 1, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great question in all of its elements. You know, the fact that it's a job interview, we could talk about that. I, I, um, I am awesome, but let's talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> this is about me. Um, so I actually think that my um, work experience and as well as my community experience is exactly what qualifies me for this position, and it's why I'm running for this position. Okay. Um, I have over 30 years of, 30 continual years of working on the front lines of some of the major issues of our time. HIV, AIDS, the opioid overdose epidemic, as well as income inequality. Um, I've been a congressional aide, a program planner, the regional coordinator for HIV counseling and testing for Western Massachusetts. Um, And I've overseen some statewide programs that have looked to work with health and human service providers, particularly drug and alcohol treatment programs, as well as homeless shelters and people who work in jails to integrate HIV, AIDS, and overdose prevention into their work. Um, And for the past five years, I've been the executive director at the Amherst Survival Center. And that frontline experience in working with people who are directly impacted by those issues gives me, um, I don't think unique, because I think people who work in front lines get that perspective, but maybe it's unique in the state house, mm-hmm. a unique perspective on the impact of policies and programs on the people who need them. And that's, exa- that's exactly one of the reasons why I'm running, is to bring that voice to the state house. But I also, as part of those um, roles, as well as uh, being the leader in uh, the Berkshires about 20 years ago in starting the Berkshire AIDS Coalition is I really sort of have um, worked almost nonstop in coalition with other groups and people. In fact, I believe that social change happens when we work in coalition with other folks. Mm -hmm. And it's my preferred way of working. I also think it's the most effective. Um, And it's allowed me to develop skills around advocacy, communication, um, sharing, <laughs> mm-hmm. and as well as how do you get results from that. And so my 30-plus years of frontline work has actually also resulted in a track record mm-hmm. of successful results. So um, uh, the previous candidate who was here talked uh, talked a bit about Amherst, and one of the things he observed was that uh, there's certainly some economic stratification in Amherst. Like there's definitely sort of an increased gap between haves and have-nots compared to how it was, say, 30 years ago. So that's one of the things I presume, I don't know exactly what you're doing at the Survival Center. So if you want to talk a bit about that, uh, that'd be great. Oh, the executive director, you mean? Yeah. Well, well, she oversees the work of of the Survival Center. What does the Survival Center do? I love that question because it gives me an opportunity to talk about the Amherst Survival Center. Absolutely. And I I, I love for you to do so. But also just more, more generally, like, like, you know, so I want to hear you talk about what you see as those issues. But I think like I think you can both agree that like that that gap between like there are, you know, some some pasty people like me who are doing awfully well in Amherst and then a lot of people who aren't. And how do we help the people who aren't? Mm-hmm. So, you know, please talk about about your ideas about how you want to work on that. Well, I'm going to start talking a little bit about 
Amherst, and then I'll talk yeah. about the Amherst Survival Center, and then we'll come back to talk yeah. about And if you folks. want to also talk about Pelham and Granby, which have different issues, right. that's totally fine. Just Although the Amherst Survival Center serves people throughout Hampshire and Franklin County, and in fact, uh-huh. Pelham and Granby are, one, are two of the towns that they serve in addition to Amherst. Okay. Um, so what do you do there? So the Amherst Survival Center is this incredibly wonderful, unique organization, and uh, unique for the region, unique for the Commonwealth, and possibly unique for the country. It is a, we kind of call ourselves a one-stop shop for basic needs, where we have a variety and a collection of basic need programs all under one roof. Mm-hmm. Um, our mission at the, at the Amherst Survival Center is to connect residents of Franklin and Hampshire County to food, clothing, healthcare, wellness, and community, and to do it primarily through volunteers. And so what that means is we have a variety of programs that sort of meet those needs, and I can talk about them in a second, but the real um, piece that I think makes us unique is that we have about 250 volunteers every week who come in to assist an 11-person staff deliver services to about 232 people a day. Hmm. And that's about 6,000 individuals and about 49,000 visits a year. So that's Hmm. a lot of people and a lot of visits. And our programs include— I mean, 6,000 people is about the number of people in Pelham. I mean, just—no, I mean, I'm just saying, like, that, like that's a town's that's worth a of people. That's a lot of people. Yeah. But that's not all from Amherst, so keep in no, mind— No, 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 I know. I'm not just saying, like, over. for example, that's right. the that's population a of, of, a, of a number of towns out that's here. That's a lot so of people. Yeah. So we have a—you f- should really come and visit us, visit the center when it's open, because what I'm going to describe to you are individual programs, but when you come to the center and you see them all happening at the same time, mm-hmm. it's remarkable. They're integrated? They're, they're integrated, but people are getting their needs met in lots of different ways simultaneously, and it's really impressive. Oh, so you you go in and you, you have go in. You in go in and there are volunteers who welcome you. They ask you what town you're from. That's the only question a person potentially is going to be asked, and they can say anything. They don't yeah. even have to tell the truth. We don't ask them for Homeless documentation or whatever. Right, yep. My car. Yeah. Um, and then if they ask us about programs, we'll sort of assist them and show them around. We'll give them I a need health care. But otherwise, yeah, they may yeah. just come in and sort of want to be looking around. So at the same time, what we have is we have a community store, which is everything in the store is free. We're talking about clothes for adults, kids, babies, shoes, books, household items, towels, flatware. That's all in the store. It's like a free thrift sh- store. We have a food pantry. The food pantry is the only program that's limited, and it's limited to people who live in 13 towns. Um, but that gives groceries um, for enough for about five to seven days a month per person in each family. Do you, you run out of food, by the way? People we have sick. not. You we have, have not. not. But it's tight, right? It's uh, more need than it used to be. There's a lot of need. We have not run out of food. And since I've been there for the past five years, we ha- we've sometimes run out of a, an item of food. Like there's been a time when we ran out of eggs yeah. or another time when we ran out of tuna. So you'd have to have tuna right. if you, instead but of we, eggs. But, but we haven't run out of food. And the pantry doesn't only do food. The pantry also does diapers and personal uh, care items. Excellent. And yeah. we also get free pet food from Dakin. So we're able to do a little bit of that. Because that's food a lot too. of people's worries too, are their animals, yeah. that they've animals. come yeah. on hard times. Yes. And, they, they're and then that tuna fish that they, they got ha- gets yeah. diverted to their cat. And then so they have to... You know, and they have to give up their pet, and that disrupts a family. And it can break their connection to community because that could be a family member for them. Yeah. So I just want to—I want—I want to talk about the running out of food, but I also <laughs> want to just make sure that I put in um, 
what our other programs are at the Amherst Survival Center. We also sure. they also have a community kitchen where we have a daily lunch and a weekly dinner. There's a fresh food distribution program. So in the morning we have volunteers that go out to supermarkets and businesses and pick up food, bring it back to the center. And part of what the center does is it redistributes it to people who are in need that day. So we're talking fresh produce, bread, and baked goods. Daily. Is that Monday through Friday? Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Wednesday Monday, we're closed. And we have a free health clinic twice a week with uh, volunteer physicians and nurses. Oh, wow. Thursday afternoon we're open late. We ha- They have movies in the afternoon. I'm going... I'm, alternating between we and they because I'm the candidate and I'm also the executive director Um, there's also a sewing repair workshop where we have expert seamstresses come in we already have sewing machines at the center and they help people repair clothes and make clothes we have a project with the bag share project which is based on this side of the river to make reusable bags we have a job search program that helps people find jobs. The person that does that is incredibly successful. If you need work and you have not been able to find one, I recommend you come to the Survival Center on Thursdays from 11.30 to 1 and meet with Christina. Um, and we also have movies, live music once a month, um, private lockers and a free laundromat for people who are homeless, as well as a private shower. Private shelter. lockers? Oh, yes. That's a very oh, when they interesting... Fill up, when they fill up, we get a waiting list, but we do have private lockers. Yeah. So I just want to say, when you said, um, do you ever run out of food? Yeah. And I said, we haven't, just one item. The reason why I really want to make that clear is a lot of people don't go to pantries because they're afraid that they'll take food from somebody else who needs it. Yep. Even I though don't need, need it as much as they do. Exactly. Yep. Even though they're in need, well, someone else needs it more. And I want to stress to anybody who's listening that if you can answer this question with sometimes, you should come to a food pantry in your neighborhood and get food pantry. And the question is, do you ever worry about getting having enough money to buy food at the end of the month? And if the answer is, well, sometimes a food pantry is a good place to go. You don't have to use it every month. You can just use it on those months that you're struggling. Nice. Good to know. Good. So um, I, what was the and original question? Yeah, well, uh, uh, well, and, <laughs> the uh, needs of Amherst and right. the needs of Amherst. So, well, so, John, I hope you'll uh, link to the Amherst Survival Center. Uh, I know it's something we've that's probably gets a lot of support here from Valley Free Radio. That would be terrific. We also have a very active social media presence um, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, So Amherst has always had a struggling community. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the Amherst Survival Center was started 40 years ago by Mm -hmm. a woman who was sort of found herself in dire straits and pulled together a group of friends to make an exchange happen, whether it was for clothes that might not fit their kids or food. Mm -hmm. Um, And it grew from that kind of presence of trying to be there for each other as neighbors. I think what we're seeing in Amherst now, based on some of the data that the school shows us in terms of how many kids are on free and reduced lunch is there's a larger younger family population that's also in need but we've seen need in Amherst in the Amherst area for a while it's not the um, visible kind sometimes Um, a house poor elderly who have a house it's escalated in value their taxes are way beyond there and it's sort of like they should probably move but it's their community they've lived their community and moving is hard when you're older yeah. Right. It's yeah. disorienting when you move to a new place. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so there's a, you know, there's interesting segments of folks that are in trouble. Yeah. And yeah. I also find that at the one thing that we see a lot at the Amherst Survival Center that I think we all see in our lives with our friends, is that um, we're all one bad diagnosis away from needing a food pantry. Absolutely. Right. I mean, we we go along our daily lives thinking I'm, I'm okay. And then something happens, a huge bump in the road. It could be a yeah. medical diagnosis, an unexpected expense, divorce, yeah. a divorce, 
something happens, it changes our life, and we are suddenly in need. Absolutely. And so the Amherst Survival Center is there for those folks um, as well. Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> Can I say one more thing? Because this links up to an issue, actually. Go for it. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's what you're here to do, to tell us <laughs> what, about what you see is, uh, you know, what the, what, you're, what the district you're trying to represent needs. And So there's also think? a lot of people in the area who work more than one job. They work oh, multiple crap, yes. jobs. Mm-hmm. And they do that because sometimes they don't make enough at one job oh, yeah. to pay for all their bills. And we see those Especially folks, too. Especially needing health Right, yeah. health care, as well as, you know, milk is expensive, right? Or yep. food is expensive. Diapers are expensive. Uh-huh. Um, so we see a lot of people who are working multiple jobs but because their, you know, hourly wage or their schedule isn't always set or whatever it is that's preventing them. Or they don't them. know what their hours are even going to be. Until exactly. Like until it happens to and a then lot of folks. A yeah. lot of folks yeah. with the, you know, th- that they're not even in control of their schedule. Yeah, that's, so, the, that's the latest thing I'm, I'm hearing yes. about. That just so how can nuts. you plan? How can you do a budget right. if you don't know when you're working? We see a lot of people who are in that kind of situation. So um, survival and need changes depending on what's going on in the world. And so those economic situations come into the survival center. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, uh, sorry, I'm I'm just trying to manage the clock. So we got about five minutes left before we need to sort of wrap That's up. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. Let's have a part two. <laughs> I know it's, it's it, it's. What do you think of healthcare, single payer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's dive right in. Um, I believe that access to healthcare, comprehensive healthcare, is a fundamental human right, and so I yep. want universal healthcare with a single payer option as soon as possible. As soon as possible. I'm not. We're not going to get it on day one. But we're no. going to start working on it on day one. Yeah, and it's something that re- I think really needs to happen at the federal level because I think it's just we might up being cost prohibitive for just Massachusetts. It can, but we but can't can wait for them. It. You can pilot That's it. That's right. We Fair can enough. pilot it here, like just like yeah. we did with what's his name's care, <laughs> Romney care, which yeah. I don't like. Dukakis's health care bill was amazing, but they repealed it as it went into effect. Every time a, a piece would come into effect, it was repealed. So, so I f- oh, so I didn't know that yeah. Dukakis passed a health care bill. Dukakis so w- had a very anyway. We shouldn't go there. Sorry. Yeah. So I think what we really need to do is. The Romney administration getting to help with Romney care, didn't you? I didn't help with it. I tried to lobby them. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, but we have okay. to. Are you feeling sorry for me? I'm no, sorry. I'm not, not at all. <laughs> not, I'm not feeling sorry for they you. They pick on me all now. the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm still a Republican. It's just because so. you're wrong about <laughs> everything. <laughs> My father was a Republican, so I'm cool. There yeah, mine go. too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So was Hillary Clinton and Elizabeth Warren. No, we'll stop yeah. now. Yeah. But anyway, this show is about being civil and talking about the issues in I a way it. that really you can talk about them and mm-hmm. not be afraid to be shut down. So, But that's very interesting to hear. So, single payer as soon as possible as soon as possible we start working on it as soon as possible so um uh what do you see as sort of the biggest challenges that uh like amherst has particular challenges in part because it's uh, like while there's plenty of people who are struggling in amherst it's a big town with a big tax base a significant tax base because of businesses and because there are are wealthy people who live there too what do you see is like uh, some of the uh the 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 contrast and issues between uh, Amherst and Pelham and Granby, which are smaller towns or, or smaller chunks of towns. I mean, obviously. Well, there are significant um, differences, but I'm also liking, I'm enjoying focusing on the um, similarities also. Tell me about those then. Um, 
because when I talk with people in those three towns or with the police chiefs in uh-huh. the three towns, which I've completed my third police chief this week. They always um, have an interesting perspective. They always <laughs> have an interesting perspective. And I've been asking them about issues like opioid overdoses, elderly care, those kinds of things, what they want from their state rep. Yeah, we've had some interesting interviews with uh, Northampton Chief Jody Casper on the show a couple yeah. of times. So. You should have Scott Livingstone come over from Amherst and also, as well as the other police chiefs. They're great. They, and they're very committed to their role as public servants in the way that they can do it, which is, you know, they are sort of the linchpins. They live it. They yes. live it. And they're also, when it comes to opioid overdose, they're sort of the people that are seeing everything that's going on and how it's Unfortunately, and how because our society is kind of broken, the, we're leaving a lot of things like that to the cops. Well, it, that and also in many of these towns, when you call the ambulance, a police officer will accompany the ambulance just to make sure everything's okay. So they That's get called into smart. medical calls as well. Yeah. Um, but so I'm seeing that the, the towns have very similar feelings when it comes to their commitment to public education, when it comes to their concern about the way charter schools are funded. Um, you know, Pelham actually has a particular concern because they're the smallest school and they get hit the hardest by the mechanism. So they're actually the the poster child for why the funding mechanism is failing. But both Amherst and Granby have their own concerns as well. Um, Their commitment to the environment. Every town in the state has a problem there. At least in this part of the state. Oh, yeah. Um, Their commitment to protecting environment, um, the climate crisis, their commitment around food insecurity, those are the things that kind of tie them together. And their commitment around the elderly, what you were talking about before, and wanting to make sure that people are living with dignity in their in their homes. And can stay or be supported or find some way yes. to um, transition yep. to whatever needs it's, to come and, next. And age in place. Yeah. And I think they're all committed to UMass being um, successful because UMass being successful means the region is successful, as well as farms. So, and conservation. There's a lot of similarities between the three towns. And I'm not meaning to gloss over their differences, but as the state rep, I'm also really impressed with what holds this district together. Yeah. Some shared values between the... Yes, and shared priorities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and one of the ways to address issues like educational, the disparity in educational funding, before we can, if we can't change the formula, but is to help like the, the towns maybe to like pool their money together sort of on sort of a smaller basis as opposed to if they want to yeah. <laughs> well, if they want to <laughs> i think sometimes to. sometimes Towns that means are losing of that. their identity <laughs> yeah. so I won't, I don't want, you want hate to foster. regionalize something and lose control of it right. so no, it makes sense um so do you think they should change the school formula is that one of your positions well, yeah or i try think and the work school on formula is crazy and nuts and doesn't really reflect the accurate the actual cost of public education yeah. and i also think that the way we fund charter schools is fundamentally unfair not just to the public school budget and the public education, but unfair to every other program that gets public money that has to go through public scrutiny, yeah. and charters don't have to. So I just want to make it more fair, put it on a level playing field, and don't decimate public education in the process. And if we uh, uh, start funding education uh, properly from the state level, we can use those property taxes to pay for local things. Potholes. <laughs> That's oh, a big thing in yeah. Amherst right now. <laughs> oh, potholes. It's Massachusetts. It's always a big thing. We have a new head of the DPW here, and she came down from Vermont. We'll see how she does, right? <laughs> Let's check back. In yeah, check back in a while, because that's always the big DPW that is, issue, right? That's right. Hmm. So, uh, unfortunately, we are uh, running out of time here, so uh, we're going to have to wrap it up. This is uh, Civil Politics uh, here on Valley Free Radio, and our guest has been uh, Mindy Dom, who's running to be the Democratic nominee for the third Hampshire uh, uh, district in the Massachusetts State House. Uh, the uh, election, the primary election, is going to be Tuesday, September 4th. 
which I guess is a week from this coming Tuesday. Don't forget, it's right after that long weekend. It's like, yes, oh, it's, it's going to feel like a Monday, but it's not. <laughs> it's a Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when the polls close, like at seven or eight. eight so o'clock. You, yeah. So you really have to get they there open at work. seven in the morning. They close at eight. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, I don't live in Amherst, so I don't I don't have a vote. But uh, you know, best of luck to you. Thank you. I've been very impressed w- with both of the candidates we've had on tonight. So uh, uh, really serious people running for these offices. Yeah. it's really nice. It's yeah. really as a Republican, I really enjoy it when people are <laughs> so qualified. It's just it's yeah. it's good. Thank it's you. a lot of work, and we really appreciate people coming yeah. on. So well, I'm we'll, happy uh, to come on anytime. Yeah, and uh, regardless, uh, we may want to have you back on to talk more about the Amherst Survival Center. Well, that's I, I apparently can talk a lot about that. Yeah, yeah, that's certainly <laughs> the important thing. So, um, and just and to mention... Asked the question, what do you do? Right. And, and just <laughs> to mention, asked, we right? do uh, do a podcast version of the show, which will be uploaded to things like Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and so forth on Sunday morning. So coming up next is Subculture, followed by uh, Table of Contents, OK Asia, and then a repeat of last week's uh, Drum and Bass with DJ Fife. That'll take you well into the evening with a lot of great music. But that's all for Civil Politics now here on Valley Free Radio. Thanks for listening. Good night. This show is part of the Planetside Productions Network. For more information, please visit www.planetside.pro. And thank you for listening.